I'll say this. I hate when I have slow internet and I hate getting hostility from business computer guys. Uh, If you're sick and tired of yours and your network's not running properly, if he takes forever to call you back, are you paying the company good money to keep things working but you're still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues, does your head hurt from having to deal with all of this? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom at Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your network runs correctly all the time. It's for one low monthly fee. Uh, I know that When I've done this before, one low monthly fee is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage today, 843-664-8989. That's 843-664-8989 or heritagedigital.com and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. This portion of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast special. Uh, this is J.C. Sherbert. This is being pre-recorded. As I told you guys last week, I am at the beach soaking up some rays, getting ready for the football season, but... I want to leave you guys with some special interviews and uh, one of the guys that I know you've heard him, you love him. If you're a member of the big spur, if, even if you're not Josh paid of 24, seven sports, Josh, welcome in, man. Been busy lately. I w- yeah, just a little bit, but listen, you're busy right now. So we're talking in the future. So you're on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What, what is, what is the JC Sherbert beach wear? Are you like a, a, a boogie board, like long, short kind of guy? Do you leave little to the imagination? How do you roll? I, I, I do the longer ones. Um, I, I, uh, I've gotten into the patriotic look, right? Nice. So, uh, I have like several versions of the American flag, uh, and I just didn't feel like wearing my American flag speedo because I, I'm so patriotic. I like to fly the stars and stripes proudly. Um, so, so that's kind of been my deal lately. Um, and, uh, and all that, but yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, it, it depends on what beach you're on too. I'm going to Myrtle in South Carolina. So, you know, if I were maybe, you know, Dominican Republic, maybe I'd, I'd go a little uh, non-continental, if you will, or continental if you're on the European continent. But uh, I don't know how appropriate uh, that would be in Myrtle Beach. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of my deal that I go. Yeah, flags with. are always trendy. The, the good thing about wearing a flag is someone else designed it, and it had to pass several checks in order yeah. to get approved. So it always looks good. Yeah, yeah, it, it's one of those things. And, you know, Myrtle Beach, you get uh, – uh, you know, at least uh, when I was a kid growing up, you get several different types of flags, but that would be a uh, that'd be a whole podcast to go, go there, man. Um, 
Okay, so a bombshell went off at SEC Media Days. I find it ironic that you and I were talking about SEC Media Days months ago and how to make it inter, how to make the coverage more interesting. And, and we didn't like arrive that. at a conclusion yeah, by yeah, that. Yeah, we, we, we just kind of kicked some things around. Yeah, well, Mike Leach is good. Yeah, it's like that's a tough one. And boom, there you go. So, so give me like you know your quick sort of take about where we're at. And uh, again, this is being recorded on. Uh, Thursday, July 20th. So there's going to be some things that happen between now and then uh, just to, for my, my audience there today is the day the big 12 started sending lawyer letters. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, the latest is that they're accusing ESPN and the American athletic association of colluding to raid the conference. Um, and so that's what point we're at. There's going to be more news between now and, and the time you guys get this, but you know, in general with where this is going, uh, I'm sure our audience would love to hear your thoughts. This is why it's so wild to be in a decision maker's position. Sherbert, think about this. Think about just being, let's say an athletic director at a school like Oklahoma state. Okay. So you're, you're charged with budget. You're charged with investing in facility upgrades. Cause you got to keep up. You're charged with budgeting several years out to be able to pay a coaching staff. And then all of a sudden over the span of a week's time, you've gone from having everything mapped out. And then, you know, when your conference's next TV deal comes online to, we may not even be in the big 12, the big 12 may not be the big 12 this time next year. And so I don't even get how that works. Then you work your way up the ladder and you talk about structuring anything from a conference TV deal not knowing which teams are going to be in a conference too. How about a playoff format? That's kind of what's stood out to me the most outside of the obvious. I mean, it is a, it is a landmark change. It is a huge inflection point for college athletics. It's like four earthquakes in a row happening with NIL and portal and, and of course conference realignment, but with the playoff, you know, I think some people have really been rubbed the wrong way here. Bob Bowlesby and Greg Sankey sat there arm in arm, eye to eye, working on this thing, on that exploratory committee. And then all the while, now you come to find out if you're Bob Bowlesby, this guy, I considered him a friend all the while he was behind my back trying to poach Mm. not two of my member institutions. The guy did not come after uh, Kansas with all due respect. The guy came after the horns and the Sooners and he's going to take them. And he is Sherbert. I know you're not supposed to make business personal, but he's affecting Bob Bowlesby's livelihood. Bob Bowlesby could be out of a job. I know he was about to walk off into the sunset anyway, but man, it's hard not to envision someone taking it personal. And as you and I are recording, we see it start to happen. There have been no words minced in some of these statements that have been put out. And so I got to give it to the Big 12. They're probably doing the same thing anyone would do. You're fighting quite literally for your life out there, your livelihood out there. But I think long-term, man, it gives me an uneasy feeling. And to be perfectly clear, There is a high likelihood that for someone like me personally, you are at South Carolina, someone like you personally, this is a huge windfall for the SEC. There's going to be so much money flowing in the SEC, not that there already isn't. So it's professionally, you can make the argument that this could not have been better for someone like you, someone like me. But I'm a college football guy. And I love the regionality of college football. And I love the fact that there's one team in, in rural Indiana that doesn't even have a conference. And then there's one on the West Coast that has more teams, even though the name doesn't sync up, 10 versus 12 versus 14. I love all the incongruency. I've always loved that. I, I love the nuance of college sports. 
and it's it's aggravated me. This is a 50,000 foot point of view, but it's aggravated me that it seems like we're in a race to try and professionalize and NFLize the college game. And I, there's nothing wrong with the NFL game, but it's on Sunday, man. Like if you love that style of ball, Sunday is for you. If you like college football, Saturday is for you. Or, and here's a radical concept, sure, but I recently found out this is legal. You could just watch both and you could enjoy both. <laughs> but apparently um, that is not a compromise that many want to hear. Well, yeah. And, and, and my thing too is it's, you know, it is a scary time because, you know, college football is based a lot on tradition and there have been, you know, you go from last year, which was not really about the future of the game and, and you know, cobbled together schedules and, and, and 15,000 people in the stands. And, you know, I, I remember, Josh, just, just look it up. Um, I was in Orlando, Florida, actually on vacation during the uh, national championship game. And I remember I, I turned it on and, you know, it's the normal pregame about 15 minutes before. And I looked at that stadium and I was like, that's the normal crowd. It would be two hours before kickoff if, if it were a regular season. And, and at that point, it really hit me. And I just got sick to my stomach. I was like, I want fans back. I want everything else back. I'm sick of this, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so everybody goes through that. And then the transfer portal, you know, impacts recruiting. Uh, and that's something that, those of us that follow roster 365 days a year, you know, we, we kind of, okay, this is one other thing we're going to have to cover and keep track of, and this will be interesting. And how can this work? And then the NIL thing, which I think to the game itself in terms of the quality is probably a little more damaging uh, potentially. Uh, I'm not saying it will be or won't be. Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, sometimes when you've made it, you've made it and football is a tough game and you have to work hard and uh, it's a lot uh, – you're incentivized a lot more, I, I think, if you're a, a football player to go make those millions uh, at the next level uh, than if you're making millions at this level. And and some of those numbers – and, you know, this is something that, that I want to get into in a second with South Carolina. Uh, some of those numbers are ridiculous, you know, but I believe in capitalism – uh, and the free market and, and, and market values, market value. And if you've got to cash in on your five minutes of fame, you do. I just don't think these guys, some of these guys are probably, you're going to find out that, oh, well, the money, <laughs> they made their money and got out and quit playing, you know, and, 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 and you know, you're going to see this sort of uh, pulled back a little bit. Um, and, and then you get the playoff expansion, which I thought, you know, it was pretty cool, you know, you know, 12 teams. Uh, I never wanted to go to eight because I don't think the group of five belongs uh, going to 12 and incentivizing it and saying, well, Hey, group of five can get two if the pack 12 has it, you know, that, that kind of made sense to me a little bit. Um, I, I lived with that. And, and then the expansion thing I, I've never in and of itself been against Texas and Oklahoma joining the sec. In fact, I kind of felt Oklahoma and Oklahoma state would eventually come. I didn't think Texas would come, but uh, I thought Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, at some point down the road, those would be teams they target. And, uh, you know, then lo and behold, there you go. The Sooners and Horns are out. And uh, so I think for fans, there's a lot of change. And I think with change, and this gets me to this point, transitioning into South Carolina, there comes excitement and to a certain extent, some fear. Um. I think the established programs right now, uh, unless you're on autopilot, like, and, and I think 
honestly, and you can disagree with me, I'm wrong. I think Alabama and Ohio State are the only two programs right now that are on complete autopilot uh, in terms of do they have everything in place now to compete now into the future? Yes. Um, you know, I've heard some Clemson people a little worried about it. You know, well, what's going to happen here? Um, you know, it, unless you're on about you're, you're, you're excited, uh, but there is some apprehension because you kind of wonder, well, if the sport looks different, th th then where does my school fit in and where does my program fit in? And am I, am I going to be looking at something where, you know, my school is going to end up like Kansas State, which I think Kansas State's going to get Kansas State's going to get screwed worse than anybody in this whole thing. Um, and, and so, you know, I deal with South Carolina market on this podcast specifically, and, and that's what I saw on my message board, which has been hopping. You know, there, there's been more activity and speculation uh, and South Carolina went through a coaching search in November uh, than there was during the coaching search. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's crazy. This kind of stuff is like, um, you know, lightning in a bottle for our business. But, um, you know, so, so, so from your perspective, you know, if you're a South Carolina fan or a program, you know, along those lines um, in the SEC, you know, because they're they're in a different situation than, like I said, Kansas State. Um, what are you feeling right now? This is multifaceted, mm -hmm. uh, as is to be expected. So I think a lot of college football and what I call the college football public, I think a lot of people are suffering from the who's in era and the constant shoving down your throat over the past decade. The idea that the college football playoff is the end all be all context in this sport. It defines your relevancy in this sport. It should dictate your mood going into a Saturday in this sport. That has never been the case. In my opinion, it never should be the case. And there is a time, not all that long ago, if you're, let's say you're 19 years old, you're a young listener, there was a time, not all that long ago, when you could roll in sporting a 6-3 and three record on a Saturday and you could be totally jacked because that Saturday was compartmentalized and South Carolina had Tennessee coming into town or South Carolina was going to Lexington. And there are not playoff implications on that game, but it's a college football game. You get 12 of them a year. You get eight of them in conference. Maybe one or two other ones are worth anything. And they're precious, man. They, they are such a priceless and precious commodity that you invest your entire emotion around a whole year built up to that you don't need some entity a thousand miles up the eastern seaboard in Bristol, Connecticut, telling you, well, you know, you're not even ranked by the playoff committee. So this Saturday, it really it's what we now call a, a meaningless game. Those didn't used to exist, Sherbert. So that's the first thing. The first thing I wish I could do is I wish I could just take an Etch-A-Sketch and just go from left to right and just erase all that from people's memories. So then the next thing you could do if you're a Carolina fan is you could stop immediately worrying that we're not going to match up with the Alabamas of the world. Of course, you're not going to match up with the Alabamas of the world. Uh, the rest of the world doesn't match up with Alabama. Like that's the whole point. It's Alabama and then the rest of them. But there are several different rungs on a ladder, just as in college football fandom, there should be several different rungs worth of excitement for you. For instance, I mean, what, I got Carolina schedule over here, dude, if we, if we see Carolina open up two and oh, you, I mean, you got a directional school and then you got East Carolina. That's something in and of itself to be excited about. That means you had players buy in. That means you avoided uh, a disastrous start, which we have seen before. We've seen those four and five touchdown teams lose in week one under a coach. I remember Chip Kelly, his first game at Oregon, they go to Boise. 
I think they lost. Then LeGarrette Blunt gets in a fight on the field. And I remember thinking to myself, I can't even imagine being an Oregon fan right now. How could you start a season in a, with a worse look than this? So if Carolina's 2-0, just hit the pause button right there. Don't think about how you compare as hard as it is to Clemson or to Ohio State or Alabama. That's a rung on the ladder. Then you dive into conference play. You go to Georgia. You'll be a sizable underdog there. Has Luke Doty showed week-over-week improvement? Is there a reason to believe Shane Beamer and his offense and the approach they put in place is going to show me week-over-week improvement? Because you didn't get to closer to the bottom of the barrel than you like to be overnight. You certainly don't climb out of it overnight. But that kind of stuff is worth being excited about. If you're chasing a bowl when the experts in Las Vegas have told you four wins is a lot more likely for you, I don't care how close I am to Alabama. I care that I've exceeded expectations. So none of the things I just listed have anything to do with a playoff. But yet they should jack you up if you're a college football fan who has the proper perspective on this whole thing. So that's even independent of expansion and all this stuff. But even if your conference is 12 teams or 1,200 teams, that's the way I wish a lot of folks could get back to thinking instead of sitting there and buying into this garbage notion that your games are meaningless because they don't tie into the greater good of a marketing machine that's been conveniently created for a network that owns the playoff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, 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 look, and, I, and I still think at certain programs, you know, especially those that, I mean, you, you think Tennessee is going to be upset if they get back to the music city bowl this year, you know, no. Um, uh, and South Carolina and, and Kentucky and, and, and you're right at different standards at different places. Um, and you're right. And, you know, South Carolina people in general, you know, it used to be, Hey, that, you know, if they beat Clemson during a year uh, and then even if they went to a, you know, the Birmingham bowl, so to speak, you know, they, they buy 20,000 tickets and head to Birmingham. Now they didn't beat Clemson and got to a bowl. Some years, those crowds were a little lighter, but uh, you know, and, and it used to be like that. Now, you know, you see people all the time. Well, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and, and I think a lot of that's too proximity with, with Clemson within the state, but um, you know, I, I think you, I mean, you make an excellent point. And, and I, I do wish we could get back to that. I think, when you have a college football apparatus to where West Virginia is in the big 12 all the way across the country. Uh, and I've used West Virginia as an example a lot lately too. When you know, kind of talking about all this, they were, you know, basically shut out of the ACC because of academics. Allegedly they, they became an outpost in the big 12. They've lost the backyard brawl, which was a great game, which has hurt Pitt's program, which is because Pitt's also lost Penn state. Um, they've lost Virginia Tech, which if you you guys don't remember Marcus Fick going in the end zone against them and, <laughs> you know, what he had to do to their fans. Um, you know, and they don't really like, you know, Virginia, Syracuse, Boston College either. And and, and the, for those fans too, you know, are, are they going to get up, you know, for Oklahoma State in November more than they are for Pitt? I, I don't know. Um, so in some ways I saw this as a chance to get back to those roots because – this round of expansion seems, you know, to, to, to be doing some things that make sense that will rekindle some of those rivalries. But, um, you know, at, at the same time, you know, there, there is still that issue with the playoff. And, and, I, and I know you've agreed with me, Josh, and I'll ask you this, uh, about the four-team deal. I wasn't for coming off of four because a lot of the reasons you just mentioned, I was like, it's going to further demand now instead of, them only focusing on four teams is going to be 12 and then 
everything else is basically going to be the NIT, like college basketball. Uh, you know, and, and, and then I warmed up to it and said, oh, well, this may not be bad or, or whatever. Um, what should the playoff do now? You know, that we, we have all this, you know, talk about a league basically uh, possibly dissolving. Um, you know, and, and from a, a school like South Carolina's perspective, uh, if you were the Gamecocks, you know, I, I think you would want it to expand because of access. But, you know, realistically, is that really what you want? Or do you, would you want fans to go back to, to kind of realizing the value of, of every single game, uh, like what's once what was the case in this uh, in the sport? I love the smaller playoff apparatus. Smaller the better for me. I would not mind a bit if we went back to the BCS era today. Would not mind that a bit. Um, I, only because I remember, I think the first college football game I ever went to, Sherbert, was a Georgia Tech game. It was random. It was Georgia Tech, North Carolina. And I remember going, I didn't know much about what the ramifications were. I didn't know what the conferences were. I was just a kid. But I remember going. And it was uh, it was at uh, Grant Field there in Atlanta, and I'm driving home. I went with a buddy and his dad, and I just remember I'd grown up an Atlanta Braves fan, and so I, I it was just curious to me that I, everything in pro sports is about the division race and the pennant. You're going for the playoff spot, and no one was talking about that at this college football game. It was just about there was a dude in a yellow jacket outfit. There was a car that drove around on the field. All these people were dressed in similar colors. And it was just it was like its own little separate planet, like its own little ecosystem there in downtown Atlanta on a Saturday. And I I love that. Anyone who's been in a legitimate college environment, whether it was, you know, 1998 or 2008 or, or last week, man, it's it's so unique. It's like a natural preserve, I called it this that last week, I called the college football experience kind of a natural preserve. It's something that we have managed to maintain on an American sporting landscape that otherwise has become kind of homogenized. And I don't want to lose it. And therefore, I don't need a, a massive playoff apparatus in here. I know what the arguments for it are. I know. But the entire context the starting point, the premise of any of those arguments, whether it be giving more teams access or, you know, equaling out the recruiting aspect, which is a total illusion, by the way. We can talk about that in a second. But it's all built on the premise that that's what's most important. That's not what's most important, well, at least to me, in my college football. That's not what's most important. And I don't just – this is not hypocrisy for me. Trevor, when I put my show together, I don't do – playoff ranking stuff I don't do the update stuff I don't even talk about the playoff until the latter portion of the season I don't care about it I would much rather talk about division races in a conference I would much rather talk about a, an Iowa Iowa State week two rivalry game where three quarters of the state is packed into a stadium and it's just insane up there and it's it's an environment that's unique to college football I, I know that is it makes me sound 80 years old I know it is very romanticized, but I don't see a problem with that. That's the only rebuttal I would give. But to circle back around, to sound like a a White House press correspondent for a second, let me circle back around here. And let me ask you, because you've covered the recruiting game for a long time. I, I think it is a total myth that an expanded playoff, therefore giving more teams playoff access, is going to shave off the top of the recruiting dominance. It's going gonna, it's gonna to divvy out more elite prospects for more teams. I listen to them. I talk to some of them. You talk to many of them. How many kids ever tell you, 
Mr. Sherb, my deciding factor is going to be playoff access. That's what I'm looking for because I don't ever hear him say that. I hear him talk about development, access to the best facilities, the ability to get to the next level, relationships with coaches. That's what they're talking about. They're not talking about the playoff. They're not. No one is going to a school they otherwise wouldn't have because they locked down a nine seed one year. I, I think it helps you from an exposure standpoint, if you're trying to recruit far away from your campus, a marketing uh, standpoint, that's yeah, exactly and, what it and, does. And it helps you get in the door. Now to land the, like Clemson is now wider net um, Alabama. If you think back to their first class before they broke, broke through that 08 class, Julio Jones, Marcel Darius, Barrett Jones, who was a legacy, um, you know, all those guys in that great class that helped them get to the title uh, SEC championship game and the national championship game. Saban's first full club, they were all in state. Well, then the net widens as you get more popular and all that, and you can go recruit nationalists. I, I think it helps there. I, I I haven't heard a single recruit go playoff. I mean, they, they mentioned the things that you mentioned. And I also came up with a good point. I don't care where you're at. Some places are set up better than others. Uh, but any success story we see uh, has started with a coach having an elite recruiting plan for that particular institution going back to Saban at LSU who hit the I-10 corridor to the godfather of recruiting himself Philip Fulmer at Tennessee that said we've got to go all over the country to get players because we don't have anybody Uh, all the way to Tom Osborne going into Texas Florida California getting guys that maybe couldn't cut the grades at certain schools and building a foundation under it with a great in-state walk-on program at Nebraska you don't get anywhere at any school, unless you have a great recruiting plan, um, playoff or not, uh, you're not going to start seeing, you know, a five-star go, Hey, you know, I think I'm going to go take a look at Boise because they got the first round <laughs> by, I mean, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. Well, one more question. I'll let you go. Uh, and this has been a big debate on my board and I want to get your take on it. My dog doesn't like it, but, um, if you were South Carolina, fundamentally is Texas, and Oklahoma coming to the SEC something that hurts you or is it a net positive for your program? And I've said, seen everything from they may as well shut it down and go to FCS to, you know, this is going to put more money in the coffers so they can catch Clemson and, and, and be a playoff team and win championships. The answer is very take it away. What are your thoughts? I don't think it's a positive. I, I don't think it's an overwhelming negative, but – Anyone who thinks money is all that separates South Carolina from fill in the blank, Clemson in this case, uh, is kidding themselves right now. I mean, as it is, Sherbert, if we did not add these two schools and you just got the SEC to its next TV deal as a 14-team conference, you will be overflowing with money. Sherbert, they gave out, they gave out 20-some-odd million dollars last year in a COVID year just because they could, and they leveraged it against their future earnings. They did it. It's like an extra stick of gum. I've got an extra stick of gum. Do you want it? Here's $20 million. (laughs) No, you guys are having a tough time. Here's 20. It's not, it's not a money thing. I, here's what aggravates me not to go on too big a soapbox rant here, but what aggravates me is there are, there are some sweater vest bow tie types at the very top of this sport that are making the decisions for the sport. Uh, You can call them politicians if you want to. In a lot of ways, they fit that description. These people, now I'm not blaming them because at least they are who they are. They are in it for money. That's not breaking news. We all get that. In any kind of 
profession or any kind of entity where there is a lot of money involved, you will have some money hungry people. That's not the breaking news. The breaking news is sometimes those people get really good at messaging and they get really good at deceptive PR. And so, for example, with your whole expanded playoff thing, I'm against it, but I'm sitting here watching the money folks be in favor of it, convince the public that this is what's best for the sport. They can't come out and say, hey, support this because it'll make us richer. They've got to make you think it's genuinely what's best for the sport. Well, a lot of times, too, when you have a conference expansion, I don't know why, but a lot of fans get tied up in, well, this is going to mean more money for us. Well, you're not broke. You're not poor. In, in fact, quite the opposite. I mean, you walk around campus in Columbia lately. How many of those football facilities are old? Most of them still got the sticker on it. They're so new. Like, they're not hurting for anything there. And if they needed to invest in something else tomorrow, they could do it tomorrow. I don't know. Probably around the same time fans became fascinated with TV ratings, they also became fascinated with the dollar sign attached to TV deals. And it's if it equals two more losses per year on your schedule, what does it matter if it equals 20 million more dollars for you? Ultimately, are you rooting for a budget at the end of the year? Or are you rooting for a football product on the field? And what puts you in better position to succeed? So I, you know, I just got a little too heated. So I can see how on the big spur it probably it probably got heated. Yeah. I know what, but my point is, as I tell you, I would probably think it's a negative. I could just as soon take the other side of this debate because they trained me to do it. And I could easily beat my argument with the other side of the debate. I know what all the talking points are. I just don't know. It depends on who you are as to what your perspective is. I think it's neutral. I, I, because I, I, you know, the only, the only, and I, I think it also depends very largely if, if you really want to know what fans should care about, how are they going to structure the divisions in, yeah. in the SEC? I mean, I, I personally think, it's bad for a lot of programs, not just South Carolina. If you shove Alabama and Auburn into the East and have an eight-team division, I don't think that solves the the boredom of the schedules every year or anything like that. I think they need to go to pods or or come up with some other division structure um, to make it work. Uh, you know, because right now, if you're the Gamecocks or Missouri or Kentucky, you're, you're looking up at Georgia, Florida. You're like, all right, so Florida's here. You know, they just got kind of got back there. Georgia's right there, you know, but the, the, that's two teams. I mean, you, as opposed to Arkansas, where you're like, are you kidding me? Now the Pirate and Lane Kiffin are at the Mississippis. I mean, you're like, what, 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 you know? Um, and I think that makes it harder on everybody. Other than that, Texas recruits Texas football players. And I think this move largely is about recruiting the state of Texas. Oklahoma spots recruiting recruits nationally. None of those schools recruiting in South Carolina. South Carolina right now is going up and down the eastern seaboard, basically. Um, so I don't think it impacts them. I would be shocked if there were a year where Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Alabama, and LSU were all on the Gamecock schedule. I just don't – you know, they don't really do schedules that way. Maybe one year or something. So I, I just don't know, considering the proximity. Now, if it were Florida State and Clemson, I think it's a different argument. So um, that, that's my take. I, I'm sort of neutral and I'm sort of like, it depends on it uh, and, and all that. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head with the money argument. I don't think, I think you need money. Um, I think a lot of people now are confused about TV money helping NIL, which is weird. Yeah. Um, and, and no all doubt that. they are. So I mean, they're like, Hey, you know, our athletic, uh, yeah, I see this on an athletic director better get his act together. He has nothing to do with this, you know? 
um, and all that. So I, I think, and I think money's nice and it's nice. If you can make money, it doesn't affect you competitively, but competitiveness is the bottom line. Josh, great conversation, bud. Um, uh, I will think of you when this drops on Monday or Tuesday, and I am sitting on the beach watching the waves roll in, uh, chilling out with uh, my people. You say hey to those who are not subscribed to the Late Kick in Myrtle Beach, and then you tell them exactly what they need to do because we need to up our game on the shoreline of South Carolina. Absolutely, man. In, in old uh, Ori County. Ori and Charleston County. I will uh I'll be I'll do some promotion for you there. Uh Josh, really appreciate it, bud. Uh I'll let you get back to work and then thanks for joining the podcast. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Jason. All right, special thanks to Josh Pate, 24-7 Sports folks. Go ahead and uh go to the 24-7 Sports YouTube page, hit subscribe. That's not something that's gonna cost you any money. Subscribing on YouTube is absolutely free, helps him drive numbers. Be sure to comment. He has a live show. Uh, and then he has an extra in podcast format. If you prefer that format, uh, that you, you like, you listen to this, you can listen to that. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. I've known Josh for years. He used to go on his show down in Columbus when he's in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, I lived back in Greenville way back before actually Keith and I started our podcast. You know, I was, on, I was a guest on that show, uh, talking sec recruiting, national recruiting, uh, now go talk about the Gamecocks, and he's a good friend and a great person, most importantly. Even if you don't agree with him all the time, uh, he's not somebody that's just there to kind of stir the pot like certain people um, who write columns about the Gamecocks needing to retreat and go to the ACC. And, you know, that's like dumb take number 1,785, you know. Uh, when it's not inaccurate information, uh, it's a dumb take. That's not Josh Pate, though. Follow him at Late Kick Josh. Also, uh, don't forget the sponsors of our mailbag. Uh, Going to have some mailbag questions to answer in the later segments this week uh, and get some takes on that. Um, but uh, I just want to thank iHelp Consulting uh, for the mailbag uh, and sponsoring that. If you're a business owner, you're looking to save time and money, iHelp Consulting can help. It's a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help you save money on expenses. It's credit card processing and internet insurance, anything else that you're spending money on. If your money's going out the door, they can help you whittle away at the savings without sacrificing quality. That's very important. And remember, if they can't help you save any money, you don't pay them anything. So it's no risk, all reward. That's right. If I help can't help your business, it's no cost to you. Call or text my friend, Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843-372-5713. Or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That's 843-372-5713, iHelpConsulting.com. iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? A proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecast podcast. And also, make sure to tell them JC sent you. That's important. You know, very, 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 very important. Uh, all right. So, like, I'm at the beach. Hope the world hadn't ended by the time you guys get this. I'm sure there's been some more news with expansion. Like, like right now I'm looking at it, and I'm pretty sure, you know, as the news comes across about litigation and all this, you know, the, 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 the talking, the anti-SEC talking heads are already like, ah, oh, they're going to get sued, ah, 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 that this too shall pass, the blue check mark brigade. Same people that wanted uh, college football to not be played last year. Same people that uh, 
you know, won't pay your players to unionize. And, you know, the, the same people that really would probably like for colleges not to sponsor football uh, and, you know, to continue, you know, no football uh, or athletics in general. Uh, and there'd be a big minor league and stuff like that. So, you know, these guys can go back to doing what they do best, which is bloviating on Twitter and watching soccer and, uh, you know, playing golf or, you know, whatever, whatever they like to do. They certainly don't like this game, though, with the way they write about it sometimes. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, the Big 12 doesn't have a right to be upset. You know, that, that that's fine. I just think that if you're talking about legal entities and, and you're just now thinking, oh, the Big 12's got a good case, you know, I don't think you've – I don't think you really know what you're talking about because – um, and they're accusing ESPN of interference and stuff. And I'm like, listen, if you don't think all the SEC and ESPN who, in a, you know, just in terms of relevance, power, competence, I mean, you know, what is the more competent entity from a business standpoint? I'm not talking about the shows on ESPN or whatever, but business-wise, the Walt Disney Corporation, the Southeastern Conference, or the Big 12. <laughs> yep, gosh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's the latter, too. So I, I would assume, I would be stunned if every I weren't dotted in T-cross, especially with operators like the University of Oklahoma, University of Texas. So that's my point there. But I don't want to say too much because I don't want to react to Thursday night news, and you guys are getting this on Monday. Uh, hopefully all, all is going well. Like I said, I, I, I was going to just – not have podcast, and I was like, you know, I could come up with some specials and stuff for this week, uh, just so you guys have something to listen to, you know, quickly, not the big long deal like that. And I'm sure I'll have a lot to say when I get back, folks. Enjoyed this today. Thanks to Josh Pate again. Remember, Heritage Digital, I help consulting the two big sponsors uh, of this pod. Great to be back in football season because it's, uh, you know, right here, first of August, football season practice is coming, or I think it hasn't started yet. Uh, all that good stuff. So plenty to talk about this month. Uh, appreciate you guys, my audience, very, very much. Uh, all you that are on the bigspur.com as well. This is JC Sherbert. There'll be probably some more cool standalone episodes later this week. So be sure to tune in. I will holler at you soon.